0: bookworms with the amazing Edie Eckhart. Join Edie as she discovers new friendships and new talents and that nothing should stand in the way of your dreams.
1: Hello, this is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast where you get to find out about the best books and the people who write them. I'm Bex and this week you're going to hear from J.M. Joseph about his brand new book. We'll be checking in with Jack Ryder. He's going to give us a reading from his newest one and we have a little chat with M.G. Leonard about her Twitch series. So before all of that kicks off, let's go straight to J.M. Joseph, shall we? So I am joined right now by the author J.M. Joseph. Hey there, how are you going?
2: I'm doing well. It's great to be here.
1: You've been pretty busy because you've just released your second book, is that right?
2: That's right. just came out in July, 8th of July. Pants on fire
1: pants on fire so uh that was the is the sequel uh to your last year last year's book fire boy uh so if somebody hasn't quite been able to catch up on the first book give us a little bit of background tell us where we meet uh your character aiden
2: Right. Well, Aidan. Um, we meet Aidan. He's a twelve-year-old boy. He's living in Camden, in London. And one day, he gets a package through the post. He doesn't know who sent it, and it says "top secret" on it. When he opens it, he finds a jar of sweets. And these sweets tend to give him. They they. How do you how can I say it? they just try and uh explode these kind of powers you have inside you? And he ends up having fire, he gives them to his best friends, Sadie and Hussein. She becomes telekinetic, and his friend Hussein can merge machines and they have all sorts of different adventures. He joins a circus, defeats a villain, and all sorts of crazy things happen.
1: <laughs> I think that pretty much sums up the first book. So tell me about the second book then.
2: Well, in the second book, the the second book opens and the first book ends when Alien has become a kind of a circus star and Fireboy can fly because, uh, you know, fire is lighter than air and um, it ends on a high note. But book two opens quite low because suddenly he realizes the circus has to move on and his mom wants him to go to school. So what's going to happen? And so what happens in Pants on Fires is kind of uh, a, a, a girl, this, this Delilah Jones, who's the granddaughter of the billionaire Clayton Jones, comes in and wants to move the circus to New York. And it's an offer that Aiden and his mom and his friends just can't turn down. So they go to New York and crazy things happen there.
1: Amazing. Now, I'm all in thinking you are from the East Coast of America. So you're probably writing about New York from a place of, of a pla- you know it pretty well, right?
2: I do know it. I lived in New York for a little while. My sister lived there too. So it was a way of getting back to it. And as uh, my, my my agent was the one who gave, gave me the idea for it, really, is just to use a couple of the voices, which, of course, I can do the accents quite well.
1: Of course you can. So what drew you to uh, writing about a circus then? Because you don't see many circuses anymore.
2: No, you don't. Well, I wanted to have, uh, first of all, if you're going to have a, a, a boy who can fly and goes on fire, um, it, 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 it gives them a sort a reason for being, if you like. But also, I like the exotic uh, cast of characters. So we have a fortune teller, you know, a strong man. I like the idea of Dimitri. And I, I think the fact, too, that uh, it was very much a kind of an international cast. So the clowns are Irish, you know, the uh, Ke- the Kerrigan brothers from, from Kerry. Uh, and it just made things a lot more fun.
1: And it must be quite nice as well to write about the friendship group as well, because you've got Hussein and Sadie as well, uh, Aiden's friends.
2: That's right. uh, Because I think the three of them get together. I I think it's in many ways it's a very different children's book because there are so many characters. But it it just took off that way and I quite enjoy it. And I I like to think they all have quite unique voices and make it a lot of fun.
1: What was your favourite most fun bit to write?
2: Uh, my favorite bit was probably in in the first book, when I look back to it, I think it was the one that when I realized, yeah, this will work as a novel is the novels when Aiden realizes he's in school with Hussein and he shows him that his hands can go on fire. And Hussein is astonished. He goes, Well, how how does that not hurt? And he explains him these powers and he says uh, and he says, Well, all I can do is my hands. And Hussein says, Well, you should be able to do your whole body. And if you do your whole body, you'll be able to fly. So, Aiden just can't wait. So, he tries, he tries to burn up his whole body. But when he does, he starts to lift up into the air and suddenly he sees everyone's coming in. So, he has to extinguish his flames. And when he extinguishes his flames, he realizes he's burnt off all his clothes. And there he is in school. So, what does he do? He's going to have to run. So, that was my, I, I enjoyed that because I, I, I teach myself. So, it's a lot of fun trying to imagine, trying to escape out of her. What would be your, your worst nightmare?
1: Yeah, you gave me a little giggle in, in that and in the books. And, um, and can you tell us one thing, if they do read it, one thing to look out for? Like what's your favourite bit in the books that you want them to check out or to notice?
2: Well, in Pants and Fires, there's a lot of surprises, I suppose, in the new book. Uh, so I can't really give the game away. But for me, the fun part there is he meets Delilah Jones. Delilah Jones is uh, the granddaughter, very self-assured, young American, billionaire granddaughter. And of course, Aiden kind of falls for her. Uh, he's really under her spell. And there are two clashes together and the way they message each other at night. For me, that was a lot of fun to write.
1: Awesome stuff, and can we expect a third one, or is this a, as a two-parter?
2: Oh, the third one, I'm writing it right now, and I've ah, uh, get it done pretty quickly. uh Pretty quickly, sorry, my dogs are here in the room, and the. Post no, it's your dog helping
1: by. you write as well. <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh, no, so the the third book will be called Firepower, and uh, it will carry on with the adventures. So books two and three really lead one right into the other.
1: Brilliant stuff. All right, well, before we let you go, uh, we do a little quickfire round of questions for every author who comes to Fun Kids. I wondered whether we could do that with you right now, if that's okay? Yeah, sure. Just to get a feel for, for you as an author. So to start us off easy, books or Kindles? Books. Yeah, everyone says it. Fair enough. Uh, heroes or villains? H-
2: heroes, I'll go with for. Just, just first thing that comes to my mind would be heroes.
1: Okay, that's, that's genuinely quite a hard one, I think. Uh, lemon sherbets or licorice all sorts?
2: I'll go with the licorice all sorts. I uh, can't say I eat, eat much of either one of them, but uh, yeah, but, yeah licorice all sorts.
1: Licorice, all right. Uh, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Mm-hmm.
2: I think TV adaptations, because they, they tend to be more series now. If you go on Netflix, you can get six or seven episodes into a series, and that, that makes it a lot more interesting.
1: Uh, yes, a lot of authors do say that. It's interesting. Everybody's yeah. noticed the, uh, the yeah. Netflix effect there. Uh, yeah. Do you prefer writing or reading?
2: Well that's a that is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Um I think reading will always be it was my first love. It's probably a thing I I I you know I will always do, still enjoy. There's no pressure with reading. So uh I I I quite like it. Yeah, it's my comfort zone.
1: Okay. Uh would you prefer the power of flight or the power of time travel? Time travel. Time travel. Oh interesting. Uh Hogwarts or Narnia?
2: Hogwarts for sure.
1: Do you use a laptop or do you write by hand?
2: Both. Well, I tend to write on a laptop and I plan by hand. So I have lots of notes like I do on paper, but all, all, the, all the actual serious writing I do on, on laptop.
1: Okay. Uh, baseball or soccer?
2: Football, soccer. Football for me, uh, baseball left a long time ago.
1: I, I read that you're an Arsenal fan. I just, I just wanted to <laughs> see what
2: you <laughs> to Yeah, it's got to be Arsenal. I yeah.
1: <laughs> just wanted to test you, really.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, do you write 9 to 5 or do you write when you fancy? Pardon? Do you write nine to five or do you write whenever you fancy?
2: Oh, uh, whenever I fancy. Nine to five is probably, it's really, I'm much a more a late night, late night writer.
1: Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh?
2: Winnie the Pooh.
1: Oh, that was so quick. And finally, the big one, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion?
2: Oh, neither really. <laughs> I'm like ready salt. I did not I I even hear about these things in America. It's kind no. strange. No, so I'd, I'd have to choose salt and vinegar if I had to choose one.
1: Well, that is the correct answer. That's the best one, obviously. <laughs> Clearly, so I'll give yeah. you that. But um, you're the first you. person to you just, just don't like crisp. So you're just not a fan of crisps.
2: Uh, well, it's not so much crisp, But I mean, gosh, I never grew up with having – we never had flavors. I mean, I, I lived in Ireland for a while. And, you know, you'd ask for a bag of crisp, and they'd just throw you cheese and onion. I'm like, no, I just, I just want a bag of plain crisp. And this, <laughs> is, and this is like all we've got. We're cheese and onions. This is back in the 1980s. And uh, I, I really – I couldn't get my head around it.
1: Yeah, I know they have Tato crisps, don't they? That's
2: right. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah, my dad's from Dublin, so I've uh, I've, I've, I've experienced the Tato, let's put it like that.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Uh, well, J.M. Joseph, thank you so much for chatting to us. And we should say that Pants on Fire is out right now. Everybody needs to go and grab it and get ready for the third book to come out uh, very soon, I imagine.
2: I hope so. Well, probably next summer, we'll give them a little time to go out and buy this one and read it and, and build up that enthusiasm for it. And it will be in their shops next year as well, the third one
1: lovely thank- stuff oh, thank you so much
2: and uh, thank you Bex it's been great
1: you too lovely stuff thank you so much to JM Joseph for telling us about his brand new book now speaking of new books we were chatting to MG Leonard recently you may know her from the Beatle Boy series she's got a bunch of other books coming out super soon including her brand new Twitch series well we're joined here right now by the author MG Leonard hey how you doing I'm doing great Bex how are you well, I'm very
0: happy to speak to you. It's been a long time. Yes, it's been I think it's been about a year and a half. I think I was last in to talk to you about Beatles.
1: Uh, yes, you were indeed. Uh, we spoke about Beetle Boy and then since then you've released like loads more books. It feels like I have,
0: yes, I have been a very busy girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you you uh, the Highland Falcon Thief, I think was the was the one that's been pretty successful, right?
0: Yeah, that only came out last year, just before lockdown. We were very lucky that we managed to uh, publish that book sheer, by sheer fluke uh, before COVID ravaged the country. And, <laughs> uh, and that meant we actually got to get out and see readers and share the story. And that uh, book has just gone from strength to strength. And rather delightfully, we did win uh, the uh, Best Children's Book Award uh, uh, beating David Williams and J.K. Rowling. With yes. The thief. I know. I know. I shouldn't care, but I kind of. They're such ginormous names. It just feels like a crazy dream that uh, our little book about a steam train could have done such a spectacular thing. It was the engine that could. And so we've written <laughs> many other uh, adventures on trains since. We're just about to publish the fourth in that series in September. Um, But yes, I'm not here to talk about trains today. I'm actually here to talk to you about my newest book, Twitch, which is all about birdwatching and is part
1: of the Summer Reading Challenge. Oh, my goodness. I mean, first of all, great segue. Love that. You're doing my job for me. That's brilliant. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. You can come again. Um, So tell us a little bit about Twitch to kick us off. Tell us what is going on in Twitch. Well, so...
0: I had the idea for Twitch when I was touring uh, the United Kingdom talking to children about beetles, because it turns out that children who love bird watching also appreciate and understand how important insects are to the natural world, because of course insects are bird food. Without insects, we would have no birds. They would all starve. So many of the children I met who loved the beetle books also loved bird watching, and quite a few of them said, Do you think you could write a book about a bird watcher? And I thought about it. And at first I thought I couldn't because I didn't know a lot about birds at the time. But I started to kind of have a bit of an idea. For me, like an idea starts off like a a seed, a dormant thing that sits in my brain for a while. And then it gets watered by like connections and other types of coincidences. And then it starts to germinate and grow. And I realized that bird watchers often wear camouflage colors are really good at sitting still and being patient for long periods of time. They always have notebooks and pencils to write down their observations in their nature journals. And they have binoculars. They're stealthy. And I suddenly realized that these are all the absolute traits that a detective needs. And in fact, a bird watcher would probably make a really fantastic detective. And the moment I had that idea, the moment I made that connection between detectives and birdwatchers, I realised that I could write a really fantastic mystery story set outdoors where my hero was a birdwatching detective and that was it. That was the germination of uh, Twitch. Um, And so Twitch is a book about a birdwatcher. It's a celebration of many birds um, and also an adventure story.
1: Wow, oh my goodness. Now, I haven't read it, but I'm desperate to because it sounds amazing. And I've heard some people who have uh, enjoyed that book and a few others and said they are pretty awesome stuff thank you so much to mg leonard for chatting to us there's loads of brilliant books around at the moment including the amazing edie eckhart by rosie jones now edie eckhart is excited with a capital e to start secondary school with her best friend oscar they do everything together but they're put into different tutor groups on their first day at secondary school and edie is devastated what will she do now well actually it turns out In quite an interesting way, because while she's plotting her reunion with Oscar, she accidentally gets cast as the lead in her school play, and as Edie discovers a passion for performance, she also finds some new friendships, some talents, and some dreams as well. After all, it's rather easy to shine on and off stage when you're amazing with a capital A, like Edie is. If you want to find out a little bit more, go to funkidslive.com. You can check out my review of The Amazing Edie Eckhart by
3: Rosie Jones.
1: Right, next up, we are going to zoom straight across to Jack Ryder. He's got a reading from his brand new book for us.
3: I'm going to read the, the beginning of the book and I'm going to come up to uh, read chapter one for you as well. So this is Brilliant. the prologue. Here we go. A secret can be a very powerful thing. Who knows? You may even come across one before. Perhaps you were told one by a wrinkly old grandparent, or maybe you heard the tiny whisperings of one in the playground at school. Like many things in this world, secrets can come in all shapes and sizes. Some are big, some are only small, some are dark, and some shine with bright colours. Some are dangerous, and some have curious truths. And some are just too crazy and ridiculous to understand. As you probably already know, most secrets don't stay secrets for very long. More often than not, they are whispered to another person, and then to another And then another, until soon the whole town is gossiping about it, and nobody can remember it was even a secret in the first place. Now, lean in a little closer because there is something very important I have to tell you. Some secrets are extra special, because some secrets are magical. And if you look carefully, you might just find one within the pages of this book. Though how long the boy who discovered it will be able to keep it a secret is another matter altogether. Chapter one. Day Stars. Jack squeezed his eyes closed tightly as he, Bruno, Rocco and Dottie stepped through the wall of the old empty house and into the glimmering sparkling light of another world. Now, as fun as this sounds, I wouldn't suggest trying this at home, children. It doesn't work with the walls in most houses. You'll just end up banging your head. But as you've probably guessed, this wasn't any old house and the summer that led up to this moment wasn't any old summer. It had been a summer filled with fun, adventure, and most exciting of all, magic. The fun had begun when Jack and his new neighbours, Bruno and Rocco Buckley, and their dog, Dottie, went to explore an old, empty house covered in ivy that used to be owned by Jack's granddad. Inside the house, they found a strange girl with no memory who was looking for her father. The girl was called Blossom, and the boys agreed to help her. Together, they formed a gang, the secret summer gang, and set out to solve the mystery of who the girl was and where her father had gone. They began by searching the house for clues and soon discovered it was filled with magic left behind by the girl's father. Magical potions kept in glass bottles, and when you opened them, peculiar and wondrous things started to happen. Rocco found that he could fly like a falcon. Bruno could run as fast as a cheetah. And to their delight, Jack and Blossom were able to talk to animals. But most exciting of all, the ivy that covered the house, both inside and out, was itself magical. And when there was a storm, the rain watered it and turned one of the ivy-coloured walls into a doorway to another world. It was this doorway that Blossom had gone through some time earlier, looking for her father. And it was this doorway that Jack, Bruno, Rocco and Dottie were stepping through now in pursuit of her. Jack couldn't leave Blossom now. He had promised to help her find her dad and, well, there was another reason he needed to find her, a secret reason that only Jack knew. But we'll come back to that. For now, we'd better step through the doorway, too. With his eyes closed, Jack took another step and stopped. The storm that had been raging all around him in his world suddenly ceased to exist. The rumbling thunder and howling winds faded away and were replaced by a vast quietness. Jack could feel the ground beneath his feet had turned soft. It felt like grass. And was that a gentle ray of sun he could feel against his cheeks? Very slowly, Jack dared to open his eyes, and what an amazing sight it was that met him. All around him was a world of green country. There was green grass and green fields stretching out as far as the eye could see, dotted all over with bright yellow buttercups just like the ones that were growing inside the old empty house. And above it all was the most extraordinary sight, an enormous rainbow-coloured sky that was filled with stars, even though it was clearly the middle of the day. Just then, a swarm of bumblebees came hovering past singing a tune. We love it when it's sunny. We sing because it's funny. We're off to get the honey to fill our furry tummies. Jack laughed at their funny song. Did you hear that? He asked Bruno and Rocco. Hear what? Bruno shouted back. "'It must still be the magic,' thought Jack. Now that he could understand what they were saying, Jack wondered if bees always sang like this. He watched them fly over to a small tree standing in the middle of the field. There was bright sparkling fruit hanging from its branches, and the glorious colours from the sky made the whole thing twinkle like a Christmas tree. "'Apricots!' barked Dottie. Jack looked down and saw Bruno and Rocco's dog, Dottie, rubbing up against his legs, wagging her tail excitedly. "'See?' I told you I could smell apricots, she barked up at him, then went chasing after the bees. Come on, Jack, Rocco shouted, waving Jack over to the tree. Beyond him, Bruno was climbing the tree already and reaching out to grab one of the sparkling apricots. These are delicious, Bruno shouted down. He was hanging from a branch, chewing away happily with enormous hamster cheeks filled with fruit. He tossed one of the sparkling apricots to Jack. Hey, where's mine? cried Rocco. Get it yourself, you lazy bum. Bruno called down to him cheekily. Jack offered a bite of his apricot to Rocco, but Rocco waved it away and began instead to magically rise off the ground. Even though Jack had seen him do this a few times now, it still gave him a shock every time. Rocco flew up into the tree, plucked a juicy apricot from one of the branches and took a great bite out of it. "Mmm, so sweet, said Rocco between bites. Come on, Jack, climb up and join us, Rocco shouted down. Jack climbed up and joined the brothers. The three of them sat there, perched on the tree's thick branches, happily munching on the wonderfully sweet fruit and looking out over the view. They all gasped as a chorus of shooting stars glided silently over their heads. What sort of place has stars in the daytime? Rocco was saying curiously as he looked up, squinting at the magnificent sky. I love it, said Bruno, gazing upward. It feels like we're in another galaxy. From up there, they could see right across the field and down into a beautiful valley. At the bottom was a river with crystal blue water flowing through the middle of it, and along the river bank there was a whole mass of pink blossom trees. Beyond the valley, resting peacefully on the horizon, Jack could see a spectacular waterfall. A thin needle of sparkling water was flowing all the way down it, and as it reached the bottom it exploded, sending clouds of rainbow-coloured mist into the air. Jack knew he was awake, but there was a very real part of him that felt he was asleep inside a mysterious dream. Do you think we'll be able to get back? asked Bruno, glancing over his shoulder towards the shimmering curtain of ivy. Get back, Rocco blurted out for a mouthful of apricot. Why would we want to get back? This place is awesome. Bruno sighed and turned to Jack, hoping for a more intelligent response. Jack thought for a moment. First, we need to find Blossom, he said. Then we'll figure out how to get back home. How are we going to find her, asked Bruno. She could be anywhere. Jack stared out over the green fields and didn't know where to start. She could have gone in any number of directions in search of her dad. We should split up, Jack said at last. Then we'll have a better chance of finding her. Good idea, Jackie boy, said Bruno. I'll whiz across the fields. I can cover lots of ground that way. And I can fly over to the other side of the valley, said Rocco. Fine, said Jack. I'll walk down the river with Dottie. Maybe she can use her sense of smell to track Blossom down. Dotty jumped up with her paws resting against the trunk of the tree and barked excitedly. I'm ready, she said. Let's go. We have to be careful, though, Jack said. We don't know what this place is yet. There was a short pause. What do you mean? Bruno asked him. Well, I know it all looks wonderful and everything, Jack said, but we don't know anything about this world. We don't even know what lives here. Bruno leaned into Jack with a very serious look in his eyes. You mean like lions and stuff, he said. Jack felt a cold shiver slide up the back of his neck and said, yes, possibly. Possibly. Oh, great, said Rocco, reaching for another apricot. No one said we were going to get eaten by lions. I didn't sign up for this. You won't get eaten, said Bruno, raising his voice. You can fly. All you have to do is fly up into the air and nothing can touch you. Oh, yeah, said Rocco more cheerfully. What about you, though? I can just zoom off, said Bruno, folding his arms confidently. I've got cheetah speed. Cheetahs are faster than lions, so I'll just outrun them if they come anywhere near me. What about me? Jack asked a little more fearfully. Well, I guess you'll just have to try and talk your way out of it said Bruno, chuckling. "'Yeah, good luck with that,' Rocco said, slapping him on the back. "'Last one back to the apricot trees, a loser!' yelled Bruno as the Buckleys disappeared, leaving Jack and Dottie alone."
1: Well, that's nearly it for this week's Bookworms show. Just a reminder, though, we've got a live version, a live recording of this podcast at the end of the month at the Underbelly Festival in London. I will be chatting to a bunch of amazing authors, including author illustrator Stephen Lenton. It's going to be an epic show. And if you want to get your tickets, head to funkidslive.com right now. In the meantime, I will see you very soon on the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast. Remember to rate, review and follow this podcast wherever it is you're listening to it. And I'll see you soon. Bye.
0: Bookworms. With the amazing Edie Eckhart. Join Edie as she discovers new friendships and new talents. And that nothing should stand in the way of your dreams.